Greetings and welcome to Flanagan's Ecologic. I am your host, Ted Flanagan, and today I'm joined by Gareth Evans. He is the founder and the CEO of Vectra, an energy transition platform for commercial and industrial customers. Glad to have Gareth on the show today. Gareth, welcome to the show. Great to meet you. Ted, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Good, good. And and where are you sitting as we speak? I, I think you're in San Diego, but I, tell me. I am. I am sat right here near you in San Diego. Very good. And and I, we are here. We are in Southern California. And boy, the the uh, the winter storm whipping across the country. I was just on a call with colleagues in Indiana where it's going to be four degrees in a couple of days. So we were in Calgary last week visiting my wife's family, and it was a very uh, mild winter, but I think they're also being smashed with that winter storm. And I'm glad I'm not there this week. I think it's like right now. Oh yeah. 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 Cold stuff. I've already introduced you as the founder and the CEO of Vectra, which we want to get heavily into the business model. But uh, I always like to ask this, what are you working on today or this week? What's sort of hot right now? Yeah, for me right now, we're, we actually bring on a marketing uh, director on Monday. So that's a very exciting moment for us. So um, as we were talking about just before we jumped on, one of the biggest challenges in this industry is conveying a really simple, understandable uh, message. And uh, I think myself and our head of sales, Dan, we're not marketing people, but the last few years we've been pumping out a lot of content and we'd now like to use that to continue to educate, build awareness across the community and make business leaders realize that they have options to achieve their business objectives. So that's one big one. And then we're also working on a fairly significant um, proposal to a a major corporate who is thinking about their energy transition. They want to do on-site energy and um, they can't just source people because they have to go through a competitive process. But um, we are very well positioned and we just have to tell our story in a really enjoyable, concise and uh, trusted way. So that's what we're, we're working on this week. Yeah, that's great. The the elevator pitch, I guess, right? You got to be able to describe what you do and why it's incredibly uniquely invaluable uh, in yeah. what, 10 seconds or 15 seconds. Well, I let's let's dive into Vectra. I, I read Vectra facilitates sustainability, reliability, and cost objectives for businesses. And you just mentioned uh, the energy transition as if everybody knows that we're about to have an energy transition or that we're in the midst of an energy transmission uh, or transition, excuse me. Um, refine that for me. What, where, where, what is Vectra's business model? Yeah. So to your point, we uh, specialize in commercial industrial businesses. And so I'd say the reason why I bring that up is I'd say from an energy perspective, many of us are very aware of our neighbors or even our own houses having installed solar panels, maybe even an EV charger these days. So I'd say the residential side of the market is fairly straightforward. There's lots of good suppliers. And people have, they're still frustrated at the process of buying a system, but they know how to do it. And they're of a value that um, if it goes wrong, it's not completely game over conditions. Um, On the utility end of the spectrum, we've also become very good at deploying big solar farms, wind uh, turbines, nuclear plants. And we've done that for many years. But then there's this massive market in the middle where um, every business in the world typically relies on energy from their utility or their service provider. And they're all experiencing escalating energy costs. They're all worried about energy security, reliability, outages. 
And they all have now sustainability commitments that they are trying to meet or they're thinking about trying to meet and they're trying to figure out what to do. And that's a very complex landscape. Uh, we tried to solve it manually as consultants many years ago, and we realized that it's too complex. It's too, there's too many variables to consider. And to be able to impact the community at scale, we wanted to try and automate it into a platform while also providing the, the professional services to support that. So what we do is we support commercial industrial businesses to assess how they are going to achieve their objectives, what their specific business needs are. We help design them the optimal systems, um, knowing that there is never one size fits all. And then we get them firm competitive quotes in, a, in our marketplace. So this is all about supporting a customer to assess, is this, is this something I should be thinking about? What's possible? Why should I do it? What's the business case? And then who are the best suppliers in the market to go and build it for me? And so we help them build on-site energy systems, whether that be solar, wind, battery storage, gas turbines, diesel gensets, EV chargers. We're completely solution agnostic, um, but we help think through all the complexities and variables that go into determining whether it's a right fit for businesses. That's, that sounds really, really valuable. And and I guess, I mean, I think I've been in the same position as you where, uh, you know, a, a business is used to buy, paying a utility bill. They're yeah. not used to hiring an energy transition consultant, right? Or, or a firm... In fact, they may not even be ready for an energy transition. But what what's in the toolkit? I mean, obviously, you mentioned solar. What what you mentioned some on-site generation. Um, yep. What else is what else is in that toolkit that would that enables them to to think in terms of transition? Yeah, like the real powerful nature of it is that I'd say right now businesses are thinking in ones and twos. So you know they look at a specific facility and they get sucked into a bit of a rabbit warren of trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. And what we support them to do is it doesn't matter whether they've got one facility, 10 facilities, or hundreds of thousands of facilities. Um, mm. We can ingest all of them into our platform. And all we start with is an address and an industry type. And then we can pull over 5,000 different data points, ranging from fuel prices, utility rates, um, you, uh, the solar radiance, the wind speeds, all these different variables that would ultimately impact what makes sense for them. And we want to understand for that business, what is their business priority? Is it cost reduction? Is it resilience? Is it emission reduction? How do they want to weight that? Are they, would they be willing to pay a premium for a certain outcome? Or do they want to just beat their utility cost today and whatever the benefits they get is considered to be a bonus? But what we help them do is map out across all of those facilities, how can they achieve their objective? And for some, it's net zero by 2030. For others, it's my utility bills have gone up 30% in the last two years, and I can't help. continue to handle yeah. that. So yeah. what we then do is help them determine where would they get the greatest return on investment from a perspective of deploying an onsite energy system. And most people just think about installing solar today. But as you know, Ted, like solar is amazing, but in many utility um, jurisdictions with different net metering rules, different demand response tariffs, that may not work. And so we help them look at all technologies holistically and then recommend what is right for them. And we consider everything from fuel cells and gas turbines to solar storage, uh, wind in some cases. Um, but I'd say almost in most typical cases, it's solar storage with some other element if needed for a specific business need. Right, right. And and is your scope, are you across the country or do you go internationally or are you mostly California or 
where's your where's your it's a lot of variables across the country i read right off the bat yeah uh us is our definitely our biggest um footprint today we've got the most data here the most suppliers in our marketplace we've got over four thousand suppliers in our marketplace that can help deliver these systems for people and i think that's one of the big misconceptions is people think that we're not ready to do this at scale but actually the the equipment the constructors the developers the capital is all there we want to be able to support business leaders to make confident informed data-driven decisions but then work with those best suppliers for their specific need, location, technology type, commercial needs. Um, but yeah, we've worked in Africa, Europe, Southeast Asia. We've done a lot of work in Australia because several of us come out of the mining um, industry. So mines are obviously uh, big energy consumers and they're typically in very remote places. Um, but yeah, we've got several priority sectors where there's a lot of traction right now. Manufacturing is a big one because of the supply chain pressures. Uh, food I, and wanted to, I want to. I want to talk to you about the wineries in a minute here. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's caught my attention. But let me let me just ask some more fundamental questions. This, mm. I had no idea that you had four thousand suppliers in your market. Congratulations! That's a mm. that's a huge number. How long have you guys been around to to pull this all t- this together? Yeah, so we launched Vector in 2019, literally right before COVID started, which is a whole other story, and we can dig into that if you want. But we were actually working on this and thinking about it for you know, three or four years leading up to that point manually as consultants for a company called Worley, which is the largest energy engineering firm in the world today. They come out of a strong oil and gas heritage, but I ran their global power consulting practice for what we called the renewable and onsite energy business. So, you know, we've really been incubating, ideating, building the concept of this, um, this vision for, you know, almost seven or eight years now. Um, but as Vector, under that brand and under that business, the last four years. As, as congratulations on your on your rise. Um, and, uh, how many solar companies are? I mean, with, I'm in the solar space. I mean, there's how many solar companies are in your marketplace, and do they find benefit of joining because you've already got so many, or how does that work? Yeah. So the benefit is Ted is. Um, as you know, there's lots, but what we want to do is we want to make sure that. You know, for a customer who maybe has 10 sites across the country, the solar developer that they work with in California is not the same one that's going to be the best for them in Florida or New York. And so the reason why we have so many is we want to be able to cover all the different variables. Some people don't want to finance a system themselves. They want a developer to do it for them. Some want solar plus storage. Some want to be able to do a gas turbine. And so what we what we need to do is make sure we've got the right cross section that matches the capital needs, the geographic needs, the technology configurations, as well as having um, different levels of um, sophistication. You know, some customers want to work with the tier ones. I want to work with the Schneiders, the Siemens, the ABBs. Others are happy working with Ted and his solar truck and uh, just having the panels installed and having a, a very local personal relationship. And so. We want to understand also the risk profile of those businesses. And uh, that's really the power of our marketplace is we built the the infrastructure, the workflows, the request format, such that it's very easy for our buyers to say, here's what I want. Here's my risk profile. Here's how I want to uh, pay or not pay for this. Um, yep. Here's my performance expectations, warranties, contractual requirements. And as you know, no business leaders thought about this at scale. They've never bought a system like this, so they don't know the questions to ask. 
So we want to remove those risks by applying those best practices to the ask to the market. And so to come back to answering your question, the benefit for the suppliers being in our marketplace is many of them spend a huge amount of cost chasing bad projects. And they are asked to do a lot of consultative work, a lot of bids, and many of them don't go anywhere. And so we've already pre-vetted, verified, um, configured the system. And so now they get to bid on a project that is going to happen and they get to remove all that kind of soft cost out of that process. So then it drives down the cost for everyone. The customer gets a better deal because they're the now in the driver's seat telling the suppliers what they want. Instead of the suppliers trying to just sell them whatever it is that they think they need or want, uh, which is right. kind of the way the market works today. Yeah. Well, specific question then: Do you charge for your initial assessment, or do you just get paid back when when a deal is done of some kind? Yeah. So we've tried both. What we find is, uh, if customers don't pay for a an assessment or a platform access fee, then they don't necessarily have skin in the game, and um, and their sort of speed to act is a lot lot slower. And so, you know, we want motivated, we, we want engaged customers, and we create a huge amount of value in that front end piece. You know, previously as consultants, we'd charge tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars for those kind of configuration studies, especially across entire portfolios. You're now looking at millions of dollars to management consultants. We've yeah. automated a lot of that work. And so if, if a customer has a single site, they pay an assessment fee. If they've got multiple sites, they pay mm -hmm. a SaaS platform access fee. And then they've got a dynamic interface where they can see what am I doing? Where are my projects are at? What progress have I made? How much emissions have I reduced? What are my cost savings? And we monitor the assets once built such that it becomes a real-time energy transition plan. And as conditions in the market change, the platform is being updated. And so you're not working from like a fixed spreadsheet. It's, you know, exactly where you are um, at any right. snapshot in time. So a couple more questions on the business model. You, 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 yeah. you charge up front for, I mean, I'm thinking if a business is listening in on this podcast, you know, they, yeah. they would expect to get up, they would contact you, they'd get a proposal from you to provide an assessment of however many sites they have across however yeah. many states or locations that they have. And they would, they would pay a fee for that. And then from that, they would end up with a roadmap um exactly a, a, a transition strategy if you will then then do you take a a, a percentage of uh, the deal from a, 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 a say a solar contractor or do you get paid a share of the savings from the yeah. uh the, the site host over time yeah, we get a work? very small very small success fee from the only the suppliers that win work in the marketplace so it's free for the suppliers okay. to be there they get visibility of the projects they bid on whatever yeah. they want but they only pay when value is created. And, you know, NREL did a study that showed up to 70% of project costs today are soft costs. And so yeah. if we've compressed even a fraction yeah. of that out of the system, the little slice that we take is uh, it's still a massive net benefit to all parties. Yeah. And then no fee from the, the site um, that installs the, the solar system or that does the energy efficiency upgrades or over time, you're not taking a share of the savings. No, no, we don't. No, that's the that's the power of it. They pay the platform access fee. They get to manage their strategy. They get to use the marketplace infrastructure as all part of that. You know, yep. we are here to be a long term partner, and so um, we only want to capture value where in the right spaces at the right time. And 
Right. Um, you're really the facility. You're really the facilitator. It's a, it's a, it sounds like a great, great role, really meaningful. Well, now let's talk wineries for a second. Uh, give me a case study of, of a winery that you've, I've saw one on your website. So I know you've got a, done some beautiful jobs. Take, take us through a case study of a winery. Yeah. We, like one of the great assessments we just literally finished was for one of the, like for Chandon and, um, they're a they're a mega winery and we're able to look at their um situation today and their bills had gone up literally 40 percent in the last two years and what we're able to show them with with a solar plus battery storage especially here in california with the net new net metering rules um they could literally reduce their bills by over 30 percent and have that locked in for the next 20 years and so you know, when you're talking about over a million dollars worth of energy costs, being able to reduce that, lock that in for the next 20 years, um, it becomes a very significant benefit, as well as then being able to reduce your emissions by 40%. Um, it's super attractive business case. Um, and especially being in wildfire territory, power outages, having the resilience of the battery, these are all critical factors that feed into um, the ultimate system that's designed. And so um, we consider many variables in that process. Yep. Well, and okay, so let's go to the, you mentioned mining and mining being a big uh, energy user, obviously. Give, give us an idea of, idea of a mining case study. That yep. Yeah, mines are great customers because they are typically in remote locations and they're either running on diesel gensets today or they're on the end of a very fragile single yeah. Um, transmission line and yeah. so um, that definitely plays on the minds of all our mining customers is the power resilience because when the plant's not running you're not producing and uh, that certainly hurts the bottom line and certainly i think what we're seeing for industries like mining like manufacturing the supply chain pressures and the capital market pressures to show that you are developing your product in a sustainable way is actually mounting every day and we're speaking to a lot of customers who are just saying, we can't even actually get past the first conversation with our buyer without showing them that we've got a sustainability plan. And miners want to go and dig a hole in the ground and you know develop raw product. They don't want to be thinking about um, that energy side of it. And so you know, we've worked on everything from rare earths mines to iron ore to gold. And um, you know we're able to show all the different scenarios ranging from 100% off-grid, renewable, down to if you wanted to continue to have your diesel gensets on site and use them as backup, what other technologies would support you to do that? Um, you know, we did a great job with uh, MacArthur Minerals where we looked at several different scenarios for them. And they actually use that in their Australian stock exchange announcements. Uh, so they, they kind of publicly declared, you know, here's what we've looked at, here's the scenarios where we're considering and once we get closer to building we'll we'll settle on one but that's kind of the power of this process is it's good for brand it's good for marketing it's good for decision making and it really helps you to have those informed conversations with your key stakeholders instead of just guessing um so that's the opportunity talk reliability a second you've mentioned it a couple yeah. times and obviously uh critical for for industry and businesses and industry and are you seeing the de decline in battery prices uh, and the and the variety of batteries available uh, increasing su sufficiently? Are you are you you mentioned you're still cutting great deals with batteries right now, right? 
Yeah, it's interesting. I think one of the the most common things we hear from our customers is, I would ne- I'm not ready to consider batteries because they're too expensive. Yeah. And that's yeah. based on data that's many years old. You know, just in the last year alone, I think battery prices dropped over 14. percent And so, um, we are able to show them that here is the benefit of having a battery, even just in terms of reducing your peak demand. You know, that one yeah. line item on your bill um, can often, you know, your peak demand charges can often make up half of the price of your bill. Especially uh, locally, we we're looking at some some bills for some customers recently and they're asking us like what is a demand charge because this is the biggest portion of my bill so being able to just uh, more right yeah yeah, exactly being able to shift when you use energy how much energy you use from the grid these are all super critical factors um, especially with net metering rules here locally for you and i you know if you're not going to get compensated for pushing solar energy back into the grid during the day the utility doesn't want that energy but if you can do it in the evening if you can use your battery to sell energy back at those kind of peak demand times when the utility wants it, you can get very well compensated for that. So we can model those sort of things. But I'd say in general, um, the battery industry is is hot and it's building. And there's there's a variety of players, you know, ranging from we work with the Honeywells of the world, who are obviously a major brand and kind of come with a lot more pedigree and trust that they're going to be around in 20 years, right down to people who are developing new and exciting new technologies that if a customer wants to take a bit of a, a risk, there's some, uh, there's some technical opportunities there. Yeah. How did you, how did you get in? Where, where did you grow up by the way? Are you, are you UK? Are you, are you a Brit? Yeah. Uh, I've had a, definitely a wild ride myself, but yeah, I grew up just outside Liverpool, England. Um, yeah. Mom and dad were both police officers. Never thought yeah. I'd be an entrepreneur. Um, yeah. How did, you, how did that come about? How did that come about? <laughs> I actually don't have a clue. Um, it's funny because the first performance review I ever had, I, you know, I have an environmental science degree and background. I love geography. Yeah. I never knew I was going to get into the industry. I wanted to be a pilot with the Air Force. They paid for me to go to university for many reasons that that didn't work out. But after traveling around the world a lot, I, um, I ended up with an environmental science job in Calgary, Canada, supporting the oil and gas yeah. industry to clean up old oil and gas well sites throughout the Rockies. But my first ever performance review, uh, they said, uh, what are your five-year aspirations? <laughs> and I said, I want to run this place. I'll be the CEO one day. And they just laughed at me and thought I was crazy. Um, <laughs> but this consulting well, you- firm got, got bought out by Worley, one of the biggest engineering corporations in the world. And I managed to uh, have a great career well, was with that, them. And, yeah. Is that what took you to Dubai? I saw Dubai on your resume. Yeah, exactly. I, I've been working with in Canada with a lot of the the majors, the Shells, the BPs, the Exxon Mobiles, and an opportunity came up for me to actually go into Iraq after the Second Gulf War and support uh, Petronas, ENI, Exxon, all move into the region. So a lot of those companies wanted to move in, but they wanted to be able to document what liability they were taking on. So we were essentially the first people on the ground living on the U.S. Army base in Basra supported by personal protection teams. We had a former SAS guy as our security advisor. And it's super stressful. We were being mortar attacked every day. We were going out and, you know, you couldn't, anyone who was on a cell phone, any bag on the side of the road, they were all potential threats. And um, looking back, it was extremely stressful. In the moment, it was super exciting, um, super exhilarating. And it was a project I'll never forget. But And candidly, that was probably the first 
time I realized the importance of energy because here we were extracting the biggest oil and gas reserves in the world for our kind of energy hungry economies in the West. And yet the local economy was surviving on two hours of power a day because their infrastructure had been devastated. And so anyone who thinks our hundred year old infrastructure here is not at risk of going bang one day. Um, I think to your question about reliability, that's where it comes from because, uh, um, the infrastructure is complex, but it's also very fragile and there's lots of single points of failure. And um, yeah. from then on, my what mission made, was to provide clean, yeah. affordable, reliable power for everyone. Uh, today, yeah, how, did, how, did that, how did that come about that you went from the oil and gas to the clean, reliable? Yeah, I, you know, even after that moment, I still spent many years supporting um, the LNG industry, the mining industry, the oil and gas industry to develop projects. Um, but I realized that, you know, many people bash those industries, but we have to be super proud of them because they've created the lifestyles that we all enjoy today. Um, there are obviously consequences of having done that. But now we have an opportunity and we today we have the, you know, 10 years ago, the technology didn't exist to do on-site energy cost efficiently, effectively. Yeah. Utility yeah. power was cheap enough. The business case wasn't there. But now we've got this, you know, merger of trends of um, improvements in technology, increased digitalization opportunities that now onsite energy makes huge sense, especially in light of kind of the incumbent solutions starting to uh, not provide the same amount of value it once did. So I think um, I just realized that through a few amazing people on my team that this was a trend that was here for a long time to come. Um, but we're not very good at doing them today. You know, we're good at doing single one-off big projects as a society, but trying to do many small projects at scale, that's what we are focused on at Vector. Yeah. And do you, do you think you mentioned on-site energy a number of times, and then we've talked mm -hmm. a little bit about the reduced value from net energy metering that's at least taken place in California and a no number of other states. But do you imagine some of your clients going off-grid at some point? It's really interesting, Ted. I think um, I think that's a potential in the future. We definitely don't recommend it today. You know, I think it's nice to have that grid back up. It's nice to still be a part of that community. I still genuinely believe that the future is we're all on the distribution network. I think the future is we don't have to worry about big, long transmission lines. I think um, the opportunity is we have lots and lots of small assets where we are generating and storing energy right where we need it, but we have the ability to locally transact it, share it, donate it, um, yep. and being able to do that all through simple to use apps on our phone where we don't have don't need to know what a kilowatt hour is. We don't need to know what a demand charge is, but we know that if we overgenerate, we can make some money or our neighbor doesn't have the money to put on their own solar and storage system so you can oversize yours and share it with them. I think that's what ex really excites me. And I th think especially for businesses, um, it just it makes profitable sense today. And I think that's the story that needs to get out is this becomes a really good hedging position for you instead of having to guess how much your bill is going to go up next year, lock yeah. in your costs now take control over it and um, let the market do whatever it wants, but you have complete autonomy over what your cost is going to be and you can budget that in for the next 20 years. Yeah, quite fantastic the way that technology has has really 
risen in this in this case so that we have this option now it, and it will have a very dynamic energy marketplace that vectora will be will be facilitating uh now yep. tell me a couple a couple things about you um uh, somehow in my notes i have a six day race were you involved yeah. in some sort of a race or was that is that an, is that an error on my part no yeah several years ago my wife and i did what's called breck epic we are avid mountain bikers and so we took on the challenge of uh, it's it's already at elevation, so you're already at like 10,000 feet in Breckenridge, Colorado. And then we did six long days in the saddle to all sorts of different destinations. It's considered to be one of the toughest mountain bike races in the world. And yeah, we had a great time. I, I've got a really funny story for you, actually, in terms of I think it was like at the end of maybe day four, I everyone had gone to bed and I was there stretching and it turned out that on tv in the corner was like the bachelor or the bachelorette or something and i remember just like sat there crying my eyes out because i was listening to what was going on but i was so emotionally and physically drained that i couldn't control myself and so i was there stretching crying away bachelor on and uh you know it, they are brutal races but we had a great time doing it and i uh that's, that's great I, I, that's great i'm just about to start my training regime to try and hit a hundred mile running race in may um so i haven't run a lot recently and so that's my big target for the next few months and i want to i want to use these kind of big physical activities to raise awareness so stay tuned and i'll probably share some news in the, the coming weeks oh great oh great hey listen thanks so much for being on the on the podcast today it's been a pleasure thanks for having me ted that's it Thanks for listening to Flanagan's Ecologic. We'll see you next time.